God has made us saved and strong enough that we can seek him for his strength. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembert. And I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. Thank you for joining us as we go through the Bible in one year. We're excited about it because we're coming up on Revelation. That's a really good one. Anyway, Corey is here to help us with Ryan. Corey, what's up? I'm going to be taking a look at some lost structures that surround the Sea of Galilee. Ryan? Well, here's a question for us. If Jesus is the creator, as the apostle John declares, then how could he also be called the firstborn over all creation by the apostle Paul in Colossians 1.15? Good question, and we'll talk about that and much more. Janice, what are you doing? Today, my segment is called The Power of Prayer. All right, The Power of Prayer and a lot of different things happening in the next 28 minutes. Make sure that you're ready because this is gonna be a good one. Let's open up the Bible and listen to what God is saying to us. Colossians 1, verses 9 through 18. For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 18. Colossians 1 and 2, that's what our reading assignment is today as we figure out what God has said to us through Paul the Apostle writing from the Holy Spirit. Now, think about this. The way we think, the way we process, even our imaginations without God are very different than when we have discovered God and have begun to follow him with our life. Now, the Bible encourages us that our mind is changed when we are born again through God's Spirit. Make no mistake, each of us has a choice to make in life. We either love God or we hate God. There is no middle ground. At the same time, if we are truly seeking God, wanting to know his will, which is interesting, and his ways, we find him. We do. Our decisions 
and our lives will begin to reflect God's ways as we move along in time. Now, Paul the Apostle speaks to the Christians of Coloss, and he is happy that they have grown in the knowledge of God's will and ways. Now, this is naturally a difficult thing to do as people. It's too easy to go our own ways and begin to avoid the ways of God. We are masters of justification. But let us remember that it is God's will for us to meaningfully share our faith with as many people as possible. In fact, we call that sharing our testimony. Now today, as we focus on this passage, I want you to take your Bible guide and turn with me to this particular place in Colossians chapter 1. Now, I want to mention to you that if you don't have a Bible guide, why not? You should write for yours today. You can write us or call us, and we'll give you one or send you one. Uh, Another way you can get it is go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. It'll take you to a donate page. Thank you so much for your donations, whatever God speaks to your heart. And then it'll take you to a page where you can download it, and you're seconds away from joining us on this particular passage. But in this particular passage, we have to pray and listen to what the Holy Spirit says, because this is the Word of God. His Spirit has written this. So, Father, today we pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you would help us to see this. And thank you, Lord, in Jesus' wonderful name. And we said together, amen and amen. Now, listen carefully to the Word of God. Colossians chapter 1, verses 1 through 8, we read last year, but This year, we're going 9 through 12. Here is the word of God. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, Paul says. He talks a lot about prayer. And to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. Filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding wisdom and spiritual understanding that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthening with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Now that is a lot to think about. But listen to this. God has made us and saved us to be strong in him. Defeat is never possible when we follow Jesus Christ, beloved. Defeat is never possible when we follow Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ has led the way for us. He already has. Doesn't matter. Uh, Failures or sickness or what doesn't matter. We go through them because God's strength is more powerful than ours. And we learn and understand how God has directed us. Now, God has given us this. And that's what Paul says here. Now, this gets really interesting as we continue to read on in Colossians. It says in verse 13, he has delivered us from the power of darkness The power of darkness we've been delivered, praise God, and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. The Son of His love. 
in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. Let me, let me tell you something. This is very, very important. We never have a reason to complain when we have received God's forgiveness of our sins. God's forgiveness. The truth is, we are saved and freed. Now, let me explain this to you, because the kingdom of, of Satan's power is darkness. There is no forgiveness of sin. You're not forgiven there. It's just you just make excuses and go forward because you're only human or whatever. When you come to the kingdom of God, you say, I'm only human, Lord. I need you in my life to overcome my humanness. And you say, forgive me of my sins. Now, when you do that, you come into the kingdom of Jesus Christ or the powerful kingdom of God's love for us. There is a vast difference, beloved. And there's only one way to go if you want to choose well and choose right. And so that becomes very, very important. Now, let's read on because this gets interesting, 15 through 18. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Verse 16 says, For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him. Now, I need you to pay attention to that. All things, everything, they were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence, the preeminence, if you would. That brings me to the third point. Jesus Christ has ownership and authority over all. We are called to listen and obey his word, not our own. Now remember that, beloved, because we have to pay attention to that. Listen to God's word, not our own. Father, help us today to listen to what you've said and not consistently follow this world and the ways in this world and do what we want. In the name of Jesus Christ, and we all said together, amen. Hi, Rod Hembry. We go through the Bible in one year. It's exciting. It's great. And you can join us by searching Bible Discovery TV on your phone. That's right, on your phone, your iPhone or your Android phone. And when you do so, you'll find the app. You can download the app and watch it anytime you want. Never miss a program right here on Bible Discovery TV. We'll see you there. Well, it's time now to carry on with our Bible study, and today I'm dealing with an alleged Bible contradiction between John chapter 1 and Colossians chapter 1. And here's the issue. The Apostle John declares Jesus Christ to be the creator of all things in John 1. But then in Colossians 1.15, the Apostle Paul refers to him as the firstborn over all creation. So if Jesus is the creator, how can he also be born? Well, let's study. 
Since the Bible's inception, it has been repeatedly challenged and falsely accused of containing many errors and contradictions. This is due to its offensive and bold message that we are sinners and can only find salvation in Jesus Christ, the human incarnation of the Creator God. One of the challenges posed by skeptics is this. If Jesus is the Creator, as passages like John 1 reveals, then how could He also be the firstborn of all creation, as Colossians 1 teaches? The Bible without doubt does teach that Jesus Christ is the Creator. Indeed, in John 1, 1-3 we read, In the beginning was the Word, that is Jesus Christ. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. The Bible also clearly calls Jesus the firstborn over all creation. In Colossians 1.15, Paul says, He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. This alleged contradiction is actually nothing more than a misunderstanding of the phrase, firstborn over all creation. While some believe it to mean the first created entity at a time near creation, this is incorrect. Indeed, there is an actual Greek word for first created, yet it is not used here. The phrase firstborn over all creation actually is a title. Consider Psalm 89:27, where God says of David, I will make him my firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. Though David was the youngest of his siblings, God assigns him this title of honor. We see this again with Joseph's younger son, Ephraim, as he also inherits this title. Like these two men, Jesus also receives this prestigious title. These two scriptural examples reveal an obvious truth. Since David and Ephraim were not the first created entities, it would be illogical to conclude that Jesus was created just because he also received this title. Jesus Christ truly is both the Creator and the one who inherited this title. So we see here that there is no contradiction because the phrase firstborn over all creation is clearly a title and doesn't mean first created. And since Jesus was given this prestigious title, this means he will receive his father's inheritance, just as other firstborns received their father's inheritance. The question is, what is Jesus Christ's inheritance? Well, let's connect the dots here. In Revelation chapter 5, the father gives Jesus a scroll with seven seals. Now, interestingly, the only document in ancient times that was sealed with seven seals was a will. So this would mean that the scroll is the father's will to Jesus, his son. It's Jesus Christ's inheritance. And once all the seals are broken and the scroll is completely unrolled, Jesus Christ receives his inheritance in full, his inheritance being the kingdom. I don't know about you, but I'm praying that that day comes very soon. And if you don't know Jesus, I pray that you'll consider inviting him into your heart today. He's ready and waiting. I think it's important to remember that Jesus Christ, we here in this program, we believe that Jesus Christ is God. And uh, understanding that, Jesus has gone on to be with the Father, but his work is not done. There are still many people who can come to Jesus Christ, and that's why we invite people to do so, because it's, the, in, in a sense, the collection of everybody who feels an importance to know God, and yeah. that's to know Jesus Christ. Well, and, and he prays for uh, the coming believers in the book of John, in the Gospel of John as well, right? Which Chapter is a 17. really, really encouraging thing. You know, it's an amazing thing. You know, when you're reading this, this is, you know, 2000 years ago. And here he is praying for you and me and for and for you all, too. I mean, it's just an amazing thought. So you're right. It continues. People will continue to come uh, to him. And, and I want to encourage you to come to Jesus Christ. And 
He's waiting for you. And it's very simple. You simply pray and ask him to come into your life. And you say, Lord, come into my life. I believe that you died on the cross and you rose again on the third day. Death couldn't hold you. And I need you to be Lord of my life in Jesus' name. And when you do that, God will change your life, especially if you're very, very serious about this and you're in that place. God will change your life. Come to Jesus today. Corey. Okay, well, today and tomorrow, our assigned reading is from the New Testament book of Colossians. Uh, but instead of looking at Colossae, because it has not yet been excavated, you and I today and tomorrow, we're going to be focusing in on the Sea of Galilee. So this was a real home base of Jesus's ministry. It is a huge character in the Gospels. Uh, so first of all, we're going to be taking a look at the Sea of Galilee itself uh, and some of the structures that the ruins of structures that surround the shores of the Sea of Galilee. Take a look. In Jesus's day, the Sea of Galilee was an important body of water utilized for travel, the distribution of goods and crops, and of course, for fishing. Hundreds of different ships would have traversed the waters of this 14 by 8 mile lake and 15 to 16 ancient ports provided docking points and shelter from storms. The Sea of Galilee is also Israel's only freshwater lake and is the world's lowest geographical freshwater lake. It's also known by the names Sea of Tiberias, the name of an important city in Jesus's day, and the Lake Kinneret. Today, its waters are higher than they were in the first century. This has long been evidenced by the flooding of the ruins of ancient homes and villages that would not have originally been built where they could be regularly flooded by the seasonal changes of the lake. More evidence comes in the form of modern droughts. When drought arrives and the level of the lake recedes, ancient ports and their ruined breakwaters are revealed. The higher level of the lake today is due to a natural change that occurred around a thousand years ago. The main outlet of the lake into the Jordan River was silted up and replaced by an outlet of smaller size that slowly rose the level of the lake, resulting in water that's three feet higher than in Jesus's day. Today, the Sea of Galilee has a large tourist industry thanks to its appearance in the Gospels. Jesus sailed here, taught here, walked on water here, calmed storms and visited villages and cities surrounding the lake. And now, thanks to archaeological investigation, a lot is known about the harbors where he and the disciples would have docked. Ancient harbors consisted of breakwaters, which were large stone-constructed arms that would extend out into the lake to create an area of still water for ships to be safer from the lake's famous storms. After the breakwaters, piers would be built to moor ships to, and promenades where sailors, travelers, and merchants could walk. Harbors could also have markets for selling fish, areas to repair boats, storehouses, administrative buildings, watchtowers, and even Roman toll stations. We're told in the Gospels that the disciple Matthew Levi worked at a tax booth in Capernaum, which apparently was a popular port for travelers and trade. Work at Capernaum has revealed a large harbor with several piers of different shapes and sizes, including long and curved piers and triangular shaped piers. At Kersey, which was known as Gergesa, the site of Jesus's exorcism of demons from a man into a herd of pigs, a large shallow rock cut pool was a part of the ancient harbor. Researchers believed that fishermen would keep their live fresh caught fish in it for sale. 
At the ancient city of Gadara, breakwaters enclosed an area of three acres and boasted a very large promenade. Some researchers believe that from this harbor, Roman nautical games reenacting naval battles were performed. So now that we've explored just some of the ancient ports and harbors of the Sea of Galilee, on tomorrow's program, you and I are going to be talking about some of the different fishing practices that were utilized in the first century. So these are fishing practices that Jesus and the disciples would have been engaged in. Jesus kind of threw the disciples, but it's actually quite amazing uh, how accurate the fishing information contained within the Gospels actually is. Uh, so you'll know what I mean on tomorrow's program if we're able catch the program, please do because it's really interesting. I look forward to that. It's very interesting and a good way to tease the next program as yes. we read through the Bible. <laughs> uh, that gets very interesting. Before Janice, you go and mention Church 365. This is a program we're very excited about and it's we have 185 people who have signed up for it. It's the small group leaders. And if you are interested in Church 365, you want to go further in the Bible, then make sure you contact us by email or by phone or you can go online. But the idea is that you get more material and you get Ryan and Corey's material and other material, sermons that I do and everything else, and you get addressed uh, as somebody who is a small group leader or somebody who is going further in the Bible. It's a really good way to do that. Church 365, Janice. All right, well, this first chapter of the book of Colossians, I titled my segment, The Power of Prayer, because I really noticed how Paul um, really demonstrates to us just how important prayer is, and especially one for another. Let me give you a couple of examples of Colossians chapter one, verses three and four. Paul says, we give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you praying always for you. That's a lot of praying, isn't it? Colossians 1 verse 9, for this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. You know, there is power in prayer and we do need as believers to remember to pray for one another. And we believe in that power of prayer. And you know, we also believe that it's, it's good to pray for one another. And that means our local church, but it also means the church globally. It's very, very important for us to remember that the largest part of the body of the church is in the other side of the world. We're here in Ontario, Canada, but the, the big population of the body of Christ is overseas. And so we need to always remember to pray for our brothers and sisters around the world and to lift up one another in prayer. We do something here, Rod, Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays from our studio, and it's a live prayer stream meeting that we do from here on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays at three o'clock Eastern Standard Time. And it's a, a time where we can gather together using Facebook and YouTube and our website, uh, BibleDiscoveryTV.com. And we join together with prayer warriors literally around the globe. We have people dropping in from different places and we highlight ministries, we highlight your needs, and we, we do a lot of praise reports as well 
um, reporting on how that God has answered prayer, because that's important too. We need to give God the honor and the glory. And it's such a, a privilege for us as believers to pray for one another. So I thought today Paul's reminding uh, uh, to the church in Colossians how he prays for them. We need to take that reminder to remember to pray for one another. And I think it's important to remember this because prayer is such a powerful thing. Now, a lot of people, we did the prayer about a week ago, we did the prayer emphasis on the live stream and all of that, which was a part of Church 365. But prayer is so important. You know, Bible reading and prayer, my dad used to say, a Bible reading is one oar if you're in a boat with oars and prayer is the other oar. If you just pray all the time, then you go in circles. But if you just Bible read all the time, you go in circles. But if you pray and read your Bible, that's when you go somewhere and God can direct your boat. And prayer is as important as Bible reading. It really is. But people get in trouble when they pray. And one of the things I want to say is if you go to Ephesians 6 and you see this, you talk about the, the armor of God. He says back in verse 10, finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. But at the end of it, he's talking about the helmet of salvation. He says, above all, taking the shield of faith, which is with which you will be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. But don't stop there. Everybody does. Mm -hmm. Go one more verse. And it says this, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. A lot of people don't pray in the spirit. What does that mean? You pray in tongues? No, that's not what it means. God's Holy Spirit directs you as you pray and you say, Lord, I'm going to talk to you now. Help me to hear what you're saying. God directs us when we pray. So praying is aligning ourselves with God and we are praying for others. And then we pray for ourselves. That's the best way uh, to accomplish prayer. And so I would encourage you to think that way as we continue our prayer meetings, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 3.30 Eastern time, which is 3.30 New York time. And we will pray for you, but we will pray for many other needs. time of prayer for the program, I want to remind you that Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 3.30, we are 3.30 Eastern on New York Time. We're on live, Facebook and YouTube, for a prayer meeting. And we want to invite you. Come on down and pray with us. We'll pray for you. And that's how God works. Today, we need to pray in the program. And let's say, Lord, 
I must learn to follow you. I know, Lord, that this is your absolute will. Help me to follow you today in Jesus' name.